All right, all right. Good morning. How y'all doing today? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I know some of y'all, how about the band, man? They're just killing it. I could tell some of you had a little bit of a pucker factor wondering was Jess going to get over there and thankful that Justin didn't. So let's just leave it at that. But uh, thank y'all. Thank y'all for the opportunity for me to be here. Uh, obviously, again, just to be able to share. I, I enjoy the times that I get to do it. And Justin, as we just said, is living his dream walking five miles or I'm sorry, 5K. Uh, in the rain. So there you go. But we are, we are continuing the series, Living the Dream, today. And we're talking about what does it mean uh, to live the dream and what's one of the parts of the dreams. But we all had dreams. I mean, we have dreams from when we were growing up as little kids. I mean, you had dreams that you want to be a doctor or a nurse or a fireman or an Indian chief or a police officer, whatever those dreams are. And then as we get older, because I remember dreams that I had, uh, you know, you get a little bit older, like junior high, high school age. And uh, man, I just, I had the dream where I, I, I always just wanted, I just wanted something to look like this. Yes. Remember that? And this is actual size, by the way, just in case y'all are wondering. Uh, yeah, it is the boom box. Anybody have one of those back growing up? Yeah, man, you wanted one. You didn't have the little dinky ear pods to stick in your ears and listen to your music on your watch or your phone or those kind of things. No, buddy, you had to have not only the boom box, but you also had to have the cassette tape that went with it. You know, what you want to play, pop it in, play it. And, and the struggle was real, though. The struggle was real because not only did you have to deal with the boom box, but you had to deal with this. You had to deal with D-sized batteries. What's the last time you used a D-cell battery in anything? I mean, I'm sure there's still something out there, but, but I remember with the boombox, I mean, you had two things that went against you when you went to the D battery. Number one, you had the cost, and number two, you had the weight, because it always took like eight D-cell batteries to make that boombox work for about an hour and a half until it started going and then you'd pop some more batteries in there. So, hey, the struggle was real and I do realize that kids today have a lot more problems than I had growing up. I mean, with that, I can remember too um, when I wanted to ask a girl out on a date and finally got up the guts and you know, sweaty palms and all that kind of stuff, I had to use the phone either in the kitchen or in my parents' bedroom. Y'all feeling me? We didn't even have this advantage. We didn't have this advantage, not Napoleon, but the long, remember the long phone cords? We didn't have that until later, but I mean, that was one of those bad boys that you could take in the, you know, if it's in the kitchen and you wanted privacy because they're in the kitchen, you like walk to the living room or, or if you were, if it was stretched far enough, you could even open the door, go outside and close the door behind you and talk on the phone. So, I mean, the struggle was real. The struggle is real, you know? But it's those things that, that make us uh, understand and, and try to live our dreams. As I said, you know, we, we're doing the series Living the Dream, and in the very first message, if you had a chance to see it, if you hadn't go online, you can watch it online. 
But Justin talked to us about the, what makes up a dream. And one of the things he told us is that dreams are born out of adversity. Dreams are born out of adversity. And so today, I want us just to walk down that road of adversity and how do we make sure that our dreams, our God-sized dreams, come to reality even in the midst of that adversity. Because it is our opportunity then to understand about our dreams and about our lives. Are they going to become this? Are they going to become a roadblock? Now, I know you've only got to live here like a week before you've seen this sign, I'm sure. Or is it going to become a toll booth? And I know we don't have toll booths in Louisiana. I don't think so. I'm not native to this land. I grew up in the country of Texas. And so um, there are toll booths over there. But this was one, uh, actually we went there through the summer. Uh, this is the old toll booth. If you've ever been to the beach, there's that one toll booth to go across the bridge. That's it. And this was actually, I discovered this. This picture was likely taken in like January because there is one car. I've never been in there in May, June, or July when the, the line was not like backed up two miles and you're sitting there waiting to pay the toll. But our adversities and the way we handle them are going to be like that. They're either going to be roadblocks or they're going to be toll booths. But we get to choose. But it's a part of our life. It's a part of who we are. Nobody lives a wrinkle-free life. Nobody goes through life and has no problems and just sits up on the rainbow and enjoys their pez while they're living life. It involves adversity. Peter wrote one, a couple of books in the New Testament He's also the one who hung out with Jesus during his earthly ministry. Peter said it this way. He said, dear friends, I don't want you to be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were to happen to you. In other words, he knew that no matter what we were going to go through, there are going to be problems, there are going to be adversities, there's going to be opportunities that face our lives. Some of them of our own choosing based on the decisions we make, and some of them just because of the life and the world that we live in. Today we're going to look at the life stories of some different people and how they took those adversities and used them to keep living the dream. I want you to check out the screen and hear Cassie's story first. Hey there, Simple Church. My name is Cassie Hammett, and I am the founder of the Hub Urban Ministries here in Shreveport, Louisiana. And a little fun fact is that the Hub was born the same year as your church, the same year as Simple Church. It's been so fun to be in ministry with Justin all of these years. The Hub started as a God-sized dream. I would love to say that it was my idea, but it wasn't. It was something that God wanted to do in this city, and He just invited me into the plan that He already had to restore people's lives. And I'm so thankful that He invited me into it, but I am constantly aware that it was His idea in the first place. And I think it's easy to look at something like The Hub that's been around for 16 and 17 years, to look at something like Simple Church, and, and it appears big and awesome and shiny. And in a lot of ways, we can think, oh, this was God's idea, and so it must have been easy to get it here. But the truth is, is that God-sized dreams are not easy. They come with a set of things that are hard. 
And I actually believe the reason that God doesn't make things easy for us is because His bigger goal is to shape us. Yes, He wants to build things in our city. He wants us to start initiatives and be a part of building His kingdom. But more than that, He wants to shape us. He wants us to become more like His Son. And over the years of leading the hub, there have been way more hard things than there have been easy things. I don't know if you know this, but one example is that the Lovewell Center that's in downtown Shreveport, we had to fight for two solid years to get the city to approve us to open the doors of that place. And it came down to us staying in the fight for two years. And those were the two hardest years of my life. And what I know to be true though, is that I came out of those two years different. God met me in that place. He gave me a desperation for Him. He shaped me into the leader that I am today. And I think that that's what I want to encourage you with, is that if God has given you a dream, chase it, but don't assume that it's going to be easy. Because God wants to do more than just start something with you. He wants to complete something in you. And oftentimes He does that through the hardest things. And so yes, God is gonna call you into things that are bigger than you. But my encouragement is just keep going when things get hard. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it needs to end because some of the best things that exist in this city, Simple Church, The Hub, and a ton of other things that are happening in our city happened because people stuck out the hard things and believed that God was in control. And as a result, God not only started these things, but is shaping us in the meantime. Yeah, good story, good story. I love Cassie's line where he, she says that God doesn't just want to do something through us, but he wants to complete something in us. And I'm so glad that she stepped out and created the hub and lived that dream in a world. And our opportunities to share in that dream, we have even today. Uh, today we are doing a Do Good Dollar Day. If you've ever been here in the past, you understand that. But just if you'll just give a dollar or whatever you want to, whatever money you got in your wallet, we'll take it. But um, if you're on the way out, you'll see that we have some giving stations out there uh, that have this logo on it and to be a part of the great food fight to provide food for those in our community, those that are here. And uh, it's a great opportunity, and the Hub and Lovewell, they do it right. They do it well, and we're so excited and glad to be a part of that. And that's Cassie's story. I want us to take some time, though, also to jump into the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, some of you may know this before. If you've, like, grown up in church or did Bible drills or whatever, I don't know. You may, um, you may remember Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faith chapter where it talks about by faith a person did this or, or by faith this happened. And we're going to look at the life of one man and this guy right here. That's right. Charlton Heston. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Moses. This is Moses. Anybody guys remember the Ten Commandments? Yeah. I was trying to think through that. That movie used to always come on at Easter, at least when I was growing up. And I always tried to figure out what was the Ten Commandments having to do with Easter. But it's there. So some of you may that, or you may have grown up with this Moses right here. How about some flannel board Moses? Yeah. Y'all remember that? You would come to Sunday school class and you would sit down in a circle with your teacher and the teacher had this little board and then they would stick things up and you'd laugh when they'd fall off and they'd stick them back up. This is Moses and the burning bush 
Don't really know why the little lamb's there um, because you get that lamb too close to that bush and you got a wildfire on your hands. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is it talks all about, Hebrews 11 talks about faith and what faith is. And I, and I read the definition the other day and I thought, man, this is good. Here's what it says faith is. Faith is this. Faith is what you do about what, we be, about what you believe. Faith is what I do about what I believe. So if I believe that God is who he says he is and will do what he's promised to do, then I can trust him. And so we begin to ask that question of ourselves. Are we willing to trust God in the hard times? Are we willing to do that? Because faith is a part of our lives. If you're a Jesus follower here today, faith is a part of your life. A matter of fact, reality tells us that faith, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, we exercise faith in a lot of different ways, putting it in things that we can't see. But for us, faith is what do you do with what you believe? Are you going to do that? Are you going to trust God? Are you going to use that adversity to reach your dreams? First thing I want you to, to see and understand that in reaching our dream and dealing with adversity, sometimes we have to say no. Sometimes we have to say no. Look what Hebrews eleven twenty four 24 says this. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose to share in the oppression of God's people. He refused to be, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You remember the story? I mean, he got dropped in the, in the basket and floated down the river and Pharaoh's, I believe, daughter or picked, picked her, the basket up out of the water. And, I mean, I, I don't know, it's kind of like a new puppy. Hey, Dad, can I keep it? Can I keep it? And they go through this whole thing of where, where Miriam, who was actually related to Moses, actually comes in and helps raise him, but he's in Pharaoh's house. I mean, he had everything that Pharaoh's family had and had access to it. And it says it was by faith that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to do that. Instead, he chose to share in the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Those two words, he refused and he chose. And when we go through hard times, when we go through difficult things in our life, we're going to have to do that. Sometimes we're going to have to refuse. We're going to have to say no. Now, in this case, it said, you know, Moses said that, of Moses, it was said that he refused to do that. Instead, he chose to share in the oppression instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. When I first read that, I thought, you know, that's a great, that's a great picture of what, of what sin's like. And you can fill in the blank on what you think a sin is. But it's a fleeting pleasure. I think a lot of times... Those of us that stand here and talk to people that sit out there have this picture of sin's bad. And it is bad. There is a negative effect of sin. Trust me. I've lived it and know that. But there's part of it that's fun. There's part of it that, man, it feels all right. And so many times, but what we don't realize it, is it, it's a fleeting pleasure. I mean, we... we we understand it. It happens something like this in the workplace. We show up and 
that other person shows up and pretty soon you're kind of talking and, and that other person's saying things that you're thinking, man, I don't get this at my house. And you go back and forth. And then all of a sudden you end up in my office and you say, man, I don't know what was going on. We were at work. We got to talking and all of a sudden we just fell in love. We just fell in love. Here's one simple truth I learned a long time ago. You don't fall in love. You fall in a manhole. It's a choice. It's a choice that you make in doing that. And sometimes you have to say no to what's called the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses did that. Moses said, no. He said, rather than share, he, he chose to share in the, in the oppressions of God's people rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin because he understood this. He understood that every sin has a price tag. And not only does it have a price tag, it has a predetermined set of consequences so that when we do something, those things happen back to us. And we end up stuck unless we say no. I think the second thing that Moses really understood a lot about overcoming adversity and living the dream was that sometimes when you want to live the dream and reach the dream, sometimes you have to just say not now. Sometimes you just have to say not now. Look what in verse 26 it says this. It says that he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. He was looking ahead to his great reward. I think scientists call that delayed gratification. And we live in a world that is full of instant gratification, right? I mean, why did they invent the microwave, right? So we could have our food faster. Why did they invent the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A with two lanes that go down into one so it can really tick you off while you're sitting waiting on your chicken? No. No, it's sometimes we have to just wait because we live in a world that's full of instant gratification. And it says that Moses chose to say, not now. Drew is one guy that understands the not now side of life. And he saw where he was and decided to make a difference. I want y'all to listen to his story now. Hi everyone, my name is Drew Kent and I'm a runner for Parkway High School and I'm living my dream running and helping out the Lighthouse Family Retreat. Two summers ago we went to Lighthouse Family Retreat and we got paired up with the Thompson family and their son Nash is battling leukemia and his strength and his family's strength just left a lasting impact on me, and I'll never forget it. The season after we came back from the lighthouse, I wanted to start running for something bigger than me, and you know, what better to do than to run for Nash? And Nash's slogan was Nashy Strong, so I decided to start riding Nashy Strong on my wrist to help me push me through the races and tough workouts. So Coach Fall thing, every year he does a slogan for our cross country team and this year he did dream big 
And his idea for Dream Big was to, you know, race for other people, to be running for something bigger than ourselves. And, you know, most of it is for Nash and the Lighthouse Family Retreat. And so Coach sold these shirts and all the proceeds went to the Lighthouse Family Retreat. I'm living my dream this season by doing what I love and helping more families like Nash battle cancer and beat it. Yeah, great story. Drew, if you're here or if you're watching, man, thank you. Thanks for making a difference. And you're going, well, what does not now have to do with it? Let me tell you what not now has to do with it. In order to run cross country, they don't get you up the line and say, here, guys, eat this box of Little Debbie's and then take off going, right? I mean, they don't. You got to understand in order to train for the race and run the race that you got to sometimes say not now. You got to say not now. And sometimes we get into situations of our own choosing that end up bad and we think, man, I got to get out of it now. When the truth of the matter is that it may have taken us three years to get into this situation, but we think we should be out of it in 30 minutes. Amen. And that's not the way it works. Because we have to understand that adversity is part of life based on the choices we make and sometimes the things that happen around us because we lived in a messed up, jacked up world. And sometimes you just have to say, not now. I think the last thing Moses knew and understood in his own life is you got to keep your eye on, on the prize. You got to keep your eye on the prize. Comparison is a dream crusher, right? I mean, we get it. We, we understand that because sometimes we get our dream and we think of what's going on in our world and our life and we think, man, I'm finally doing it, I'm finally doing it. And all of a sudden we, we look on the screen of our phone and we're going, oh, man, they look, they look really nice. And, oh, that family's a dizzy ward again? And, and we just keep flipping through it. And our dreams become smaller and smaller and smaller because we don't keep our eye on the prize. I heard it said this way, we buy things with money we don't have. With, I'm sorry, we buy things we can't afford with money we don't have in order to impress people we don't even like. And that's kind of true because comparison is a dream crusher and we have to keep our eyes on the prize. Moses knew that. Look what it said in Hebrews 11, verse 27. He says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And he kept on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Who is that person? Jesus, that's right. That's when the Sunday school answer works. Yes, Jesus. And you're thinking, well, what about that, man? Because he's, I mean, he was like in the Old Testament. That was before Jesus. How did he even know Jesus? Because by faith. Because he knew that faith was what he would do with what he believed. And he knew that someday there would be a Messiah. There would be a Savior. And it says he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. So he knew rather than looking around to look up. 
that you don't, you don't look around and see what's going on, you look up. And he also knew this, it was the one who is invisible, not the thing. It wasn't a what, but it was a who. It was involved in keeping his eyes on the prize. Here's another truth about God-sized dreams. God-sized dreams aren't always measured by the amount of space they occupy, but by the adversity that is overcome. It's not always measured by the amount of space they occupy, but by the the adversity that's overcome. Kurt knew that in his own life. And by all the world's standards was the man that he still had a dream. His dream was to have a father. Check out Kurt's story. I've been homeless. I bathed in a church bathroom, won 19 Grammys, had a career that was beyond my imagination. I've survived death several times, endured public shame, but nothing could prepare me for what God had in store for me in 2023. Born Kirk Smith, I was raised in a neighborhood called Riverside in Fort Worth. Low-income community, you know, pimps, prostitutes, clubs on the corner, liquor store right around the corner from the house. I would go to church every Sunday with, with the woman that adopted me, Gertrude. Uh, and she adopted me when I was four, and she was 64. She didn't have any children, but she was a distant relative. There was never a time that I don't remember not knowing I was adopted. It was always a part of the framework of who I was. I don't remember having birthday parties when I grew up. I don't remember cakes and candles and gifts. I wasn't raised with siblings. I wasn't raised with cousins. I wasn't raised with relatives. I lived by myself. I was raised alone. It was horrible. I would see my biological mother, Deborah, maybe once or twice a year. When mostly non-African American kids get adopted, they are going through a system. They don't really know their mother or father for the most part. And so even though they know that they were abandoned and given up for adoption, at least they have a wound that at least gets a scar. But when you come from these marginalized communities and you see your biological parents two or three times a year, it's a scar that never gets to heal because every time they leave, they're ripping that scar. So you grow up with a lot of rejection issues. You grow up with a lot of, why am I not good enough to go with you? I give up every trophy that I've won just to be somebody's son. I'm running. I can't wait a minute. I think that I'm just still feeling the numbness of just being lost in the moment of what does this mean? What am, what am I supposed to do moving forward with this? We went over there and oh, the anxiety was off the charts. It was, it was crazy. Gentlemen. Andrew. 
I got my kicked at school, all of those times I was messing up in life and, and had, had nobody to take up for me. All of those times I didn't know what love was. Love is a muscle that has to be trained. Yeah. I wish, I wish we had time to watch the whole thing. Um, and I'll just tell you, you can go to YouTube, look at Kurt Franklin's Father's Day, what began as a project of writing a new album, and he was gonna video it, evolved into finding his father and the dynamics that go with that. But as you saw, there was that adversity that he had to overcome. So what about you? What about you? Is there, is there anything holding you back Anything holding you back in your life from accomplishing your God-sized dream? Is it, is it this? Is it going back to, to this picture right here? Is it a roadblock or is it a toll booth? Because if there's stuff going on in your life and you're stuck, here's where you are. That's the difference between a, roll, a roadblock and a toll booth. If you're on a roadblock, you're blocked in, you can't go anywhere, you're stuck. But if, if you see it as a toll booth, you pull over, you pay the price, and then you move on. 
You pull over, you pay the price, and then you move on. Because God has an incredible story that he wants to write in your life. And he wants to be sure that you understand that. Moses knew what it was. You remember his story? I mean, he went, he, he led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, which had been there for 400 years. That's a long time. It's a long time for a person who grows up as a slave because all they know is slavery and to convince them to move on. And you remember the story? I mean, they go across the Red Sea. They go into the, the wilderness for a part of time. And, and you're thinking, man, they're out there in the wilderness wandering around. Dude, look. They had, they had manna from heaven. They had, they had fresh, hot, southern-made along with quail kolaches every morning. And all they had to do was walk outside and pick it up. And it was always enough for that day to feed their family. And yet they complained. We want to go back. We want to go back to Egypt. Before they even crossed the Red Sea, the, the children of Israel, as they call them, the Israelites, started complaining to Moses. Look what he said in Exodus 14. Didn't we tell you that this was going to happen? while we were still in Egypt? Didn't, this, didn't we let you know we were going to be out of here and it's all this problem is going to happen? We said, you, we told you, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They weren't acting on faith because they didn't think God was who he said he would and would promise them because he had promised them in many, many times in the Old Testament as you read the stories, many, many times he had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. But look what Moses said. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. You just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians that you see here today, They'll never be seen again. And then in Exodus 14, 14, this incredible verse. It's actually my wife Perry's life verse. She has it on, in a tattoo on her wrist to serve as a reminder. But here's what he said. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And if you walked in here today with struggles and more questions than answers, I want you to know something. God is for you. And he'll fight for you on your behalf. You just only need to stand still. Sometimes we gotta learn that from a cartoon. Check out this video and I'll be right back. Look, I can see daylight. We're going to be okay. <laughs> I don't think that's daylight. Run! Uh. 
maybe today you feel like that. You feel like you're speeding down that conveyor belt and all you can see is what you haven't done or how you haven't measured up. But I want you to know today, whatever that adversity is in your life uh, can be overcome. It can be part of your story. It's a part of everybody's story. It's a part of living the dream. All you have to do, all I have to do, all we have to do is know that God is who he says he is. And we just have to be still. And he will fight for us. Just be still. And he will fight the fight. So that you know that your dream isn't over. Check out this song and I'll be back to wrap it up.
Thank you, Mary. Thanks, man. Would you pray with me? Father, um, there's no doubt that a lot of us can walk into a room like this and sit in the dark and say, but you don't know about me. But God, what we do know is this, that based on who you are and what you promised to do, you're going to fight for us. And Father, I pray that each person that's here, that hears this prayer, those that are watching online would know that, that God, you are here, you are for us, and that you love us. And we only need to be, be calm. So help us to live that. Help us to live the dream by taking these things and fleshing them out and living them in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, thank you so much for coming. Two, two real quick things before you leave. Number one, do not forget, do not forget, Dollar Day out in the lobby. You can see that. And then also I want you to check out this video about our October 1st meeting coming up. After that, y'all go have a great week. Good morning, my name is Mallory Semenko and I'm the volunteer coordinator at The Simple Church. We are excited about our move to the Regal 14 Theater on January 7th, 2024. For those who are counting, that's only 105 days away. If you are already a volunteer at The Simple Church, thank you. We truly cannot do what we do without the help of hundreds of volunteers each Sunday. And we want you to be at the October 1st Boardwalk launch night here at the Shreveport Convention Center. You'll hear first all the details about the launch at the boardwalk, including the new service times at 9, 10, and 11 a.m. We need you to RSVP with the form in our app or website, even if you've been volunteering forever, so we can update your information in our database. Maybe you haven't volunteered in a while, or you're new here. This really is a great time to start. We'll need more volunteers than ever, and you can sign up today. I'll be in the lobby right after this service to meet you and answer any questions. Hey, and the first 10 people that come by my kiosk in the lobby today will get a gift just to say thanks. We are looking forward to this new era at the Boardwalk, and I can't wait to see you next Sunday at the Boardwalk Lunch.